welcome to another edition of the First and Orange Broncos podcast by the Denver Post. I'm Kyle Fredrickson, joined by Ryan O'Halloran. Uh, we are sitting here on a Wednesday, just a couple days before the Broncos travel to Washington, D.C. to face the Redskins. But today, we are going to take a closer look at a story that you'll find in an upcoming edition of the Denver Post uh, by our colleague here, Mr. O'Halloran, who joins us uh, about Pat Bolin and his Hall of Fame candidacy. Uh, something that Broncos country for a very long time has anticipated. And finally, Ryan, it seems like we've come to a point where maybe it becomes reality. Yeah, and it's to the point where if he does not get nominated on Thursday, um, it would be great disappointment for the entire organization. Just to give you some background on what this is, you know, okay, what's a contributor? You know, how does this happen? You know, contributor is a general manager, a scout, an owner, somebody who's not a player or a coach but contributed to the game of pro football. A couple years ago, the uh, Hall of Fame created a contributors category because they were just they got a backlog of candidates, coaches retiring, or excuse me, GMs, owners, a bunch of players because the statistics had blown up. So what the Hall did is they created this separate category. This is the fifth year of it. Uh, they're going there can be two nominees this year. They go straight to the finalist meeting. There's they don't they're separate from the player pool in terms of the semifinals. So if Pat Bolin is nominated on Thursday, um, he goes straight to the room, which is in Atlanta the night before the Super Bowl. If he gets 80% of the vote, uh, he'll be in- inducted into, into the Hall of Fame next August in Canton, probably with Champ Bailey, who will probably be a first ballot uh, player uh, Hall of Famer. So big day for the Broncos. You know, they feel it's not an inferiority complex. They just feel because of their success as an organization, they've been shortchanged in terms of Hall of Famers. They have a lot fewer than the Raiders and the Chiefs, uh, teams of that ilk. So, um, you know, getting get Pat in, I think, would be, uh, they would feel it would be a great victory. And Thursday would be a great step. Not a rubber stamp, but the last couple of years, five out of the six contributor nominees have been inducted. So as we move forward in this process, you had a chance to talk to a lot of people around Pat Bowen for a story that ran in a Sunday edition of the Denver Post. Uh, you're a newbie here. I'm a newbie on this beat. So I think both of us in this process have had to learn more about Pat and his influence on this franchise. Uh, out of all that reporting, was there something that surprised you or something that was unexpected that you came across? Yeah, I mean, it was greatly educational. Uh, I mean, I talked to five people and some background on the reporting. He bought the team in 1984, so the Broncos media site has every media guy going back to the 80s. So I looked at that 1984 media guy, okay, well, you know, how did they treat the new owner? Well, there are five guys on in there who are with the team still. John Elway, Gary Kubiak, Joe Ellis, Joe Sacamano, Greek head athletic trainer. Right. So I talked to those guys, asked them a simple question. First time you met Pat. And... Sakamano, who's longtime director of media relations, said that uh, he had to go pick him up, bring him to the press conference. And what struck me about Jim's story and other stories was he, uh, Pat Bowen want, gave people latitude to do their job. He just wanted to be kept in the loop. As Joe Ellis told me, he damn well wanted to be informed. Uh, the, uh, the best kind of boss, really, yeah. if we're being honest. In a lot of walks yeah. of life, right? So, and then Rod Smith, I talked to him on Tuesday. You know, He said Pat wasn't a hey, look at me, look at me guy. Um, he was about the vision, and he hired what he felt was the best people to carry out that vision. But the number one takeaway from talking to these guys about Pat Bowen was he cared about the players, sure, but also supported his coaching staff, 
and you know loved this area, loves this area, loves this region, and wanted the Broncos to be the best at everything they do, as that sign says outside their team meeting room. Right, right. And so, what do you think has been the biggest thing preventing it? from this point you were referenced earlier about these contributors guys who don't play in the league maybe that process takes longer but for Bolin people think it's overdue is that yeah. true well overdue or not semantics I think I mean, right it's almost like uh, you know he's got to wait his turn a little bit Eddie DeBarlow went in a couple years ago you know he was he didn't even own the team anymore in San Francisco so he had to wait a while Jerry Jones went in a little bit different story since he's technically the general manager, but he's had two titles. You know, Bolin has has three. So, um, you know, overdue, that's what people are going to say, but, you know, to me that's neither here nor there as long as he gets in. Right, for sure. I mean, the track record, it, it's impeccable. You referenced it, but three Super Bowls and seven trips, 28 winning seasons since 1984. Um, and as you mentioned, only 14 owners or founders in the hall. So he's joining a very elite group. And, you know, I think we'd, we'd be remiss uh, for at least a moment here uh, to address Pat's health as well. I know you talked to those close to him, and, and we've uh, heard from Joe Ellis at least somewhat recently about his status. But what do you know about yeah, that, Ryan? And basically, he's not, you know, he's not involved with the team. Uh, he's at home. And that's basically what people are willing to say about it. And. You know, Joe Ellis told Mark Kizzle last month he does have periodic visits over at Pat's house. So, But this is a team run by Joe Ellis and John Elway. And you mentioned a good point. There are not a lot of owners in the Hall of Fame. Right. I mean, you look at current owners. You look at the owners who are in the Hall Lamar Hunt helped create the AFL. Dan Rooney, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Jerry Jones turned the Cowboys back into America's team in terms of fan interest and revenues. So it's a very select group. But, uh, you know, he has the credentials, Pat does, to more in consideration. I mean, the stat that blows me away, or two of them, he has more Super Bowl appearances than losing seasons, 76. <laughs> Not bad. That's incredible. Decent. And then his committee, you know, his, his involvement at the league level, something like 91 combined seasons on 15 committees. Wow. He basically is the co-father of Sunday Night Football with Dick Eversall from NBC. I asked Joe Ellis, I said, outside of the Broncos' success, was Sunday Night Football probably Pat's greatest accomplishment? He probably he said, yeah, because there was so much resistance to flex scheduling. What do you mean you're going to change the time of the game? What do you mean NBC gets to pick the best game? What do you mean Monday Night Football is going to get the shaft? You know, Pat Bolin and Dick Ebersol saw that as a big thing for the league and the network, and it's been the number one primetime show for seven straight years. So he, he made the league billions of dollars on that on that decision and i think when we consider people for the hall of fame their cultural relevance in the sport has to be considered among the yeah. chief things right because we can talk about super bowls and the other stuff but when we're talking about someone who shapes the league into something it is now that it wouldn't have been without them it seems like a no-brainer yeah and, and and he was he was involved with the 2011 labor negotiations in washington and that was a lockout it's probably his last you know, he, he stepped aside in 14, but, you know, he was somebody that really gathered the troops in terms of the owners to, like, Paul Tagle was commissioner back in the 90s when a lot of the old guard wanted to go to Jim Fanks. And, you know, so his involvement at the league level, his philanthropy at the local level, you know, as John Elway told me, he was you define contributor, that's Pat Bolin. And... 
and the the data is tough to disagree with that. For sure. So you guys are listening to the First in Orange podcast. We're talking about Pat Bowen. Uh, on Thursday, as we mentioned before, will be the day we find out if he is nominated. Quickly, Ryan, from there, if he is nominated, what are the next steps? And what does it mean for the Broncos preseason? Possible Hall of Fame game appearance? I fill us in on that. Yeah, that's that's what um, that's why the thing on Thursday is big. If he gets nominated, it's almost like you get a fast track pass. You are straight into the finalist. Um, there's going to be 18 finalists. Sometimes seven go in. Seven, I think it's seven. So the 15 semifinals for modern era players and coaches will be announced usually in September, October. So for, from the Broncos' perspective, if Pat Bowlin and Champ Bailey both are inducted that weekend, they're going to want to play in the Hall of Fame game, and they probably will be granted that. Um, since like when Jerry Jones went in last year, Dallas uh, was selected to play in that game. So, you know that that would be a, a Broncos uh, weekend in uh, Canton, Ohio. For sure, for sure. Well, some some great information there, and we'll wrap it up on this. One final note. Uh, we'd be remiss to at least not to acknowledge it at this point when we're talking about uh, Pat Bullen and his Hall of Fame candidacy uh, is just sort of the saga over ownership. I, I don't know if there's much of an update you can provide, Ryan, but, you, yeah. but you've reported on this just as of today, August 22nd, 2018. Where does this thing stand? Yeah, somebody from the organization told me, you walked into a bleep show. But <laughs> they did it laughing. Inside that building, they don't see it as a saga. I would disagree with that. They don't see it as a family feud. I would tend to agree with that because the, the, the kids are not publicly sparring. This was a, back in June, this was a you know, Beth Bowler versus the trust issue. Both sides have put down their swords publicly. Um, the turning point, I think, for Bronco fans was the day before training camp when Joe Ellis said that Brittany Boland, who's 28, said she expressed interest in eventually being the next majority owner. I guess the wheel's turning. She's not working with the organization this year. But the next step is her joining the team with some kind of title and then, you know, learning the ropes, starting a transition where eventually she takes over. That's the way it's looking. If I'm a Bronco fan, this is good news because this means the team won't be sold. It's staying right. in the family. As for Beth Bola's next move, not sure what it is. Uh, I don't, you know, maybe she doesn't have one, but uh, she sort of, she tried to swing her home run. And, and the, and the trust responded uh, strongly, to say the least. So, so that was the big takeaway on, that, on the ownership update is that uh, Joe Ellis did reveal that, that Brittany Bowen has an interest. Right, for sure. So we'll be uh, tracking that as it goes on. Obviously, a, a little bit of drama that, that is outside the, the realm of football, but of course, uh, an important storyline when we're talking about ownership. Uh, and so we'd also be remiss to say, um, you know, we're, we're thinking about the Bolins. Uh, we're objective as journalists, but to have, you know, two parents suffer Alzheimer's disease, very devastating. A lot of our listeners can can probably relate with that as well. So uh, all, all the best to that family. And, and I'm sure, Ryan, that probably made some of these interviews tough, right, to, to talk to these guys yeah, about that? that's my final thought on this is, you know, he's there, but he's not there. Yeah. It's, that's, that's the ravages of this disease. So, you know, you, you want to ask questions in the present tense, but you're also thinking, you know, these guys, you know, they're just not that presence anymore. So, you know, uh, sometimes you slip and say, you know, what was he like? Right. Okay, instead of what kind of owner is he? Right. He's still technically the owner of the team. So that's a, that's a delicate dance for a lot of people. 
Absolutely. So uh, we appreciate you guys listening in today as, as we get closer to this third preseason game. Getting ramped up for the season. It's almost here. We can feel it. Some t- at some point, everything that we watch will matter and be counted. Um, and as fans and reporters, uh, you got to love that. So uh, we'll leave you on that note. Be sure to check all of our coverage out in denverpost.com. Uh, pick up the paper uh, as much as you can. Find it at 7-Eleven. Uh, drop a few quarters uh, on the counter and, and, and read us there. And thanks for tuning in to the First Orange Podcast. Thank you.